What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Thursday, June 3rd. I'm Akila Hughes. And I'm Gideon Resnick, and this is What a Day, the podcast that is on every great playlist at Pride events. Yeah, in between Gaga and Donna Summer, there's sometimes a 20-minute podcast about the news. <laughs> yep, and for that part, the party is just kind of bad. On today's show, a conversation with Nema El-Bagir, a senior international correspondent at CNN about the ongoing crisis in Ethiopia. Ethiopia's Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed first ordered a military offensive into the country's northern Tigray region last November, sparked by his attempts to consolidate power. Joining the government's forces were Eritrean soldiers, and together they targeted Tigrayans, an ethnic group that represents an estimated 6% of Ethiopia's population. But yesterday, the U.S., Canada, and a number of European countries called for a ceasefire. They cited U.N. officials who recently warned of impending famine in the region. This came after the U.S. already imposed sanctions against Ethiopia to try and end the violence, which has been utterly horrific and described in terms like genocide and ethnic cleansing. Yeah, and it's difficult to get access to fully up-to-date information, but reports have suggested that millions of people have been displaced with an unknown number dead, at least in the thousands. And the reported atrocities have been truly unfathomable, with a massacre occurring at a church, mass rape and sexual violence against women, and detainment of Tigrayans. And the full scale is likely unknowable. Government forces have issued crackdowns on aid groups, journalists, and more. But Nima Albagir has been able to continue reporting on the events for months and joins us to try and get a sense of the horrors going on. Nima, welcome to What A Day. Thank you for having me. Just to get everybody um, started here and up to speed, can you give us a brief overview of the underlying circumstances and tensions that actually led to this recent ongoing violence? I think the simplest way to understand it is that it was a a competition for power between former allies, Abe Ahmed and the Tigray People's Liberation Front. You know, the TPLF had been the senior partner in the ruling coalition for all those years and were themselves accused of violations, huge repressions against freedom of speech. And the TPLF, they pushed through with elections last year when Ahmed asked for elections not to move forward. Uh, He, as yet, has not been democratically elected. And what happened is it deteriorated into essentially what is being perceived at the moment as an ethnic cleansing. And so it's, um, instead of targeting the the political group, the Tigray People's Liberation Front, it became very much about targeting the Tigrayans and the Tigray region in general. That is devastating. And, you know, some reports describe atrocities being committed by the Eritrean forces who've been fighting on the side of Ethiopia's central government. Um, You've been covering the conflict very closely for months now. Can you talk about some of what you've witnessed firsthand? With ethnic cleansings, with crimes against humanity, war crimes, what 
in my experience, tends to differentiate them from you know, the, the kind of violence that is just a tragic consequence of war is the, um, the cruelty of it in, in ways that teach mm -hmm. everybody else around them lessons. So you have a region that is incredibly devout. Aksum is believed to be where the Ark of the Covenant is. This is, a, you know, mm. it's an incredibly rich cultural heritage. And for a lot of Tigrayans, they believe that if you die and you're buried in ground that is not consecrated, then your, your soul can never be at peace. And that was one of the things that we were seeing from very early on is that people, first of all, were not being allowed to bury their loved ones for days. And then eventually wow. when they were allowed to bury them, they were told that they couldn't bury them on, on, on consecrated ground. Oh, I mean, it's sort of, sort of like a very kind of personalized form of violence continued yeah. to deteriorate into mass rapes and then rape in public spaces and rape in front of loved ones and family members being forced to rape women again, in, in, in a region that is very conservative. Wow. Ugh. From the reporting side of things, how difficult is it to actually report? And what might we not know about what's going on as a result of those difficulties? I think we don't know, uh, you know, I think if we're lucky, we know maybe 30 to 40% of what is going on. Wow. Um, the, I mean, the, even now we were speaking to contacts that we had in Makale, the capital of Tigray. The internet's down, they regularly drop the communications network, the cell phone towers. And the extraordinary thing is that Abe Ahmed was the head of the surveillance, the communications surveillance unit. He set that mm. up inside the mm. intelligence bureau, so he knows better than anyone. I mean, when we, were, when we started looking into this in December, um, one of the things my boss, our head of news gathering, Debs Rayner, kept asking me is how, if you need to figure out how you would perpetrate uh, you know, war crimes or a possible genocide in the 21st century and then almost kind of retroactively kind of reverse engineer it to figure out how we get mm -hmm. in. And I think what was really um, fascinating for all of us is how much we ended up kind of falling back on a lot of the kind of, you know, the, the old fashioned ways of doing things, just calling as many people as we could, getting as many phone numbers as we could, getting people to actively go to places with phones. And also just ethically, how do you acknowledge that people are taking this huge, huge risk? So many of the people we speak to, um, half of the time the battle is to tell them, no, you absolutely cannot do that. We cannot have this conversation about okay. you doing that. Because most of the time they say to us, well, I'm, I'm probably going to die anyway. Wow. You know, so at least wow. I want to do something that is valuable for my community and for my family. Yeah. Wow. Wow. How do you report on this and, you know, protect yourself from the sort of trauma of reporting on, you know, like you said, a, an ethnic cleansing? Um, I think that a lot of people wouldn't be brave enough to be there to speak to people. And so I'm, I'm just curious about what that experience has been like for you as someone who's so close to the story. Um, that's a very good question because, <laughs> you know, I'm immediately uncomfortable now. So it's a good question. <laughs> you did well. Um, I think that uh, it's always important to remember what is yours and what is not yours. Um, and one of the, th the mistakes that often we make is to presume that this is your pain and it's not. And I think on some levels that, that is incredibly patronizing for the people whose pain mm -hmm. actually is. Um, we, in general, I think, tend to focus on 
um, how just extraordinary so many of the people we've been speaking to are and um, and how not just resilient but just how determined and how sophisticated about the ways forward you know the the diaspora has been haranguing their representatives in the US um, diaspora in Europe have been haranguing representatives so I think you you kind of just have to know what is yours to carry and what isn't. One other thing that had been kind of on the schedule um, in the coming days was a general election in Ethiopia, uh, but that had been pushed to later this month. What are some of the implications of that um, when it comes to the conflict? How, if at all, would it affect what is actually going on? I think the worry is that it will, um, it will really harden the position of the Prime Minister and his remaining allies because the European mm. Union has withdrawn observers, the US is not going to be sending observers, most of the opposition parties are either sitting it out or you know, a lot of their leadership, the main opposition party, a lot of its leadership has been jailed. So the worry is that you're creating this situation where, um, and again, you know, with possible genocides, with, with ethnic cleansing, it is this sense of a community under attack and it's it's us against the world and the worry is that if this goes ahead and and Abiy Ahmed is voted in with minimal you know uh, minimal opposition or, or, or you know mm. without the world rubber stamping it at the very least or acknowledging that this was in any way a credible election that it will force him and his allies to believe that there is that the only way through this is with more violence and we've seen that since the sanctions were announced against them, they, they had a, mm -hmm. a voice of freedom day in which they were chanting against the United States and against the international community. Um, you know, they, they've been making a lot of threats online. Um, it is a real worry that the feeling is that, well, I'm six months in at this point, um, six, seven months in, um, the only way out of this is through it. Is, is there anything heartening about the fact that this story is being covered internationally as, you know, a crime against humanity? You know, have you have you sort of heard anything about that or what, what's your feeling on that? I think where it's heartening is, again, with the people who are being targeted. For them, this really feels like it took too long for the international community to speak out. Now, yeah. I think the, the only way forward is an increase in economic pressure. Uh, sanctions are awful and a blunt instrument and they're messy. But when we speak to people inside Tigray, they, they really do believe, and a lot of the Ethiopian-American advocates that are speaking out in the US, they believe that it was too slow, but now that we're here, that people, that, that this should really be committed to as a path forward. And in fact, and, um, I believe the US is now looking at not just their own economic sanctions, but at voting against any ability for the, for the Ethiopians to raise money via international institutions, like the World That's Bank right. or the IMF. At the very least, it sends the message that this is that this is taken seriously and that this is unacceptable. What ultimately do you think is the future going to hold for Ethiopia and what has to change going forward? I think the real worry is this threat of intercommunal violence. So we're already seeing other areas and other communities, the clashes between them. Ethiopia is a collection of, of nations and you kind of almost have to think of Ethiopians in the sense of it's almost like the United States, right? Like it's, it's, it's a union that has been opted into um, mm, yeah. 
and in a way, given when, when this union was opted into, it was, it, it was incredibly progressive and ahead of its time. But if mm -hmm. people feel this vulnerability that you as a minority, and I think the Tigrayans are only 6% of the population, that you will be targeted, then the message that that sends to other nations within the Ethiopian nation is that this is no longer a safe place. And that's, that's really worrying for people. Well, Nema El-Bagir, Senior International Correspondent for CNN, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. We really appreciate it. Well, no, thank you so much for giving this a platform. It's just incredibly important. We'll link to Nema's work in the show notes so you can learn more, and also link to several aid organizations in Ethiopia so you can help. And that's the latest for now. It's Thursday, Wad Squad, and in place of today's temp check, we're mourning another recently deceased corner of the internet. This one was more short-lived than anything we've discussed before. Here's an anchor on Fox News talking about the site's bright future just one month ago today. Former uh, President Trump launched a new communications platform. We'll bring that up for you. Here's the website right there. Uh, it appears on his website and allows Mr. Trump the ability to post comments, images, and videos and communicate directly with his followers. Yeah, well, as it turns out, this advanced communications tool was a Tumblr. Mm. And it was permanently shut down yesterday after attracting limited engagement and reportedly making Trump feel frustrated. It's now been scrubbed from the internet, but we were able to enlist a group of elite hackers to retrieve its greatest post from May 19th, 2021. Gideon, please read it so we can move on and put this behind us forever. Stick with Kirstie Alley. She's a great actress, <laughs> loved by so many people, and a true original. She is also strong and smart. Many millions of people greatly appreciate her support of our country. Wow. Future generations will be glad we preserved that post in particular, which is real and came from the former president's personal website. Thanks for looking back with us. Stay safe, and we'll be back after some ads. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, Books promo code WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, and that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? 
This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WAD. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. Opposition leaders in Israel agreed to form a coalition government yesterday, paving the way to oust longtime right-wing Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. This is huge for a government that has had four inconclusive elections in just the last two years. The new coalition was put together by centrist leader Yair Lapid, and it features a spectrum of political ideologies. It was hastily finalized just an hour before the deadline, emphasizing just how badly everybody wanted to end Netanyahu's 12-year rule. The alliance also includes a small Arab party, making it the first Arab group to join a government in Israel. There is one catch to all of this. For the first half of its four-year term, the coalition will be led by Naftali Bennett, who openly opposes a Palestinian state and is known to be even more far-right than Netanyahu, if you can believe it. After two years, Lapid will take his place. Now, members of the coalition have seven days to present the government to parliament for a vote of confidence. A cargo ship off the coast of Sri Lanka that's been burning for almost two weeks is now sinking. Local coast guards have been working actively to prevent the shipwreck from becoming an even bigger ecological disaster than it already is. The ship happens to be carrying some of the worst possible things for the environment, including 25 tons of nitric acid, plastic pellets, and over 300 tons of fuel oil. Officials don't know what started the fire, but they say it might have to do with nitric acid leakage. Sri Lanka banned fishing along a 50-mile stretch of the coast where plastic pellets are starting to pile up on its shore. Authorities are now monitoring the ship in case there's an oil spill. Yikes. NASA will send two unmanned spaceships to the one planet where they can escape every human being and Elon Musk. Venus. Hey. <laughs> NASA has sent missions to Venus before, but not since 1990. In the past year, there has been a renewed interest in what I'm calling the planet of love and sexiness after chemicals were discovered there that indicated the possibility of living organisms. Mm-hmm. One of NASA's two upcoming Venus missions, Da Vinci Plus, starring Tom Hanks, will further examine those chemicals <laughs> and will also study whether Venus ever had an ocean. The second mission, Veritas, will determine what Venus is made of and make 3D maps of the hellish and scorching hot planet. Let's go ahead and put those maps on Zillow so maybe I can find some property in my price range. Yeah, I hope that you get to live with the aliens, Gideon. Thank you. (laughs) 
Ginger ale will hold on to its status as the king of travel drinks on two major airlines because alcohol service will not resume following a rise in passenger misconduct. Both American and Southwest Airlines recently announced that they would keep and place suspensions on alcohol they imposed at the start of the pandemic. American will let people in first and business class order booze because, as we know, the more money you have, the better behaved you usually are. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. According to Sarah Nelson, head of the Flight Attendants Union, reports of unruly behavior from passengers are 20 times higher this year than usual. Much of that stems from federal mask mandates, which have led some passengers to compete with flying babies to be the most loud and annoying. (laughs) In some cases, defiant unmasked passengers have gotten (laughs) violent with staff. Uh, American plans to restart alcohol service in the main cabin on September 13th. Wow, cutting it close. The same day the mask mandate is set to expire. At that point, the only thing drunk people will have to get mad about is how they cut out all the good scenes and call me by your name. Yeah, in Pride Month, no less. Shame. Yeah. Come on now. Just put them back. And those are the headlines. <laughs> that is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, uncensor, call me by your name, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just words in support of Kirstie Alley like me, <laughs> What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Akila Hughes. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and put, put us, us on, on your, your pride, pride playlist. playlist. I mean, it can be the end of the night. I'm not saying it has to be the first song. Yeah, it's a, a nice uh, wind down, maybe. Some light news to end the evening. Kashaka slaps, y'all. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Charlotte Landis. Sonia Tun and Jazzy Marine are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Leo Duran, Akila Hughes, and me. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. I'm Jessica Reeves, and I've been analyzing and reporting on extremism for the last 10 years, and I have the gray hair to prove it. Subscribe to our podcast, Extremely, for an always eye-opening look inside the daily work of exposing, fighting, and disrupting all facets of extremism. My co-host, Oren Siegel, and I explore this ever-changing landscape and bring you stories of people and places impacted by extremism, those who fight to protect our communities, and those who offer new perspectives. You can find Extremely wherever you listen to podcasts.